Hi, this is Hope. This is Hi, this is Katie from Washington, D.C., and you're listening to Me Radio. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to episode 99 of No Meat Athlete Radio. I'm Matt Frazier here with Doug Hay, and we are excited that we have only one more to go to get to 100, Doug. I know. The countdown has, well, I guess it began a few <laughs> a few episodes ago, but... It began like back in 80, 80 or so yeah. we started counting. Anyway, yes, approaching 100, and I realized the other day that that means that iTunes uh, does not show our first, now almost 50 episodes are no longer available in iTunes. Uh, which is a shame, but you can go get those at nomadathlete.com slash, uh, what is it? <laughs> Radio-archive. Okay, there we go. So that they are all there. Maybe we'll find some other solution. I've seen people set up other podcasts, like, you know, Nomad Athlete Radio episodes 1 to 50 would be a podcast. I've seen that done. Uh, Rich Roll has an app, so we'll see if there's a if there's a reason to do that or anything like that. If you have suggestions, uh, by all means, get in touch and let us know. Thank you, by the way, to the person who did get in touch last time to let us know that I uh, incorrectly said that tahini was sunflower seed paste, uh, which is ridiculous. It's, of course, sesame paste, and I knew that and was picturing sesame seeds in my mind, but uh, I said sunflower seeds, so that was my botch there. And then we also had the had the microphone issue, so a little bit of a not our best episode last time. But she also she also added that that uh, to make oilless hummus more smooth and less dry just add water so there you that, go that we we asked for a solution and, and now we have one you know what there's another good hummus recipe just out of the blue here uh seth godin who you you don't associate with food he is a marketing guy and a, a guy that i look up to a lot i think you do too doug he mm-hmm. has a really good hummus recipe that uses cashews raw cashews i think huh. maybe they're roasted but if you look up seth godin hummus cashews you will probably find it instead uh, and, of beans no, it just it just that's in addition to everything else. It's not uh, instead of beans. It's not instead of uh, oil. It's just it's just part of the thing. And he says that's his contribution to the culinary world, <laughs> <laughs> which is funny. And it turned out good. We tried it, and it's a good hummus. Interesting. Yeah. So anyway, um, we are talking today about supplements, which is a very very common question that we get from people who are new to this diet or new to taking this diet seriously, and they want to know if. We need to have supplements. If we need supplements, which ones do we need? Uh, there's a lot of information that floats around out there, some of it good, some of it bad, and some of it kind of undecidable. Uh, and I would say supplements are in the undecidable category where there are lots and lots of really good, well-known, qualified vegan doctors, experts, uh, who say you don't need any supplements whatsoever except for B12. There are a few who say you don't even need B12. And then there are a handful who say you need you know, not that you need much more than B12, but that these other potential deficiencies that are worth covering your bases with. Um, and I, I kind of fall into that camp mainly because I, I've read those people who, who like that and that's sort of how I've been influenced. So we're going to talk about supplements today. Um, but I do think you might be surprised by some of the things that, uh, that I suggest taking and, and the ones that I think you don't really need to take. Yeah, this is going to be, this is a very common question. So I'm interested to hear everything you have to say because i think we we don't take different approaches here but uh you know i think we do different things you're not as obsessive as i am i'm definitely not as obsessive and scared of dying as i am no but it actually it came to bite me in the in the butt the other day or a few months ago when i went to the doctor and realized i was deficient in a bunch of things 
mm-hmm. and had to take some steps to get back on track before now I just am able to maintain. Yeah. And I mean, it's and the advice that I'm giving here, uh, first of all, I wouldn't don't call it any sort of medical advice. Uh, but what I'm saying is it's what has worked for me and what I felt I need to do. But as much as I don't think our bodies are all that different from each other, I do think certain people absorb different things differently. And, uh, you know, you don't really know what how your body works um, and what, what exactly you're going to need to supplement with until you actually do blood testing. And I've only done it recently. Uh, but it's something that's really worth doing if you are serious about this and you want to figure out exactly what you are deficient in, if anything, so that you're not wasting your money on supplements and so that you're not putting extra things into your body that aren't whole foods because we talk all the time about the importance of whole foods. Supplements, not maybe not by definition, but by nature are not whole foods. Uh, so you want to minimize them, right? You don't want any more than you need. I don't think it's a good idea to try to get more than you need. Uh, so definitely, definitely do your own research on this and really the best, I think some of the best research you can do is look, figure out what your current levels are. Uh, right. There are companies like InsideTracker.com does offers you, you know, blood tests where you would, you know, they'll, they'll pay for your, or not pay for you, you pay them, uh, and then they'll set you up with an appointment at Quest Diagnostics or some other blood draw place. You go there, they send it off, and then a few weeks later you get your results. Or you can um, just go to the doctor. Yeah, go to the regular doctor. And I guess if you have good health insurance, you can get a bunch of that covered. A long time ago, I tried to do it and asked if they could just do like the, you know, whatever potential deficiencies there might be. I mentioned B12, vitamin D. I think I mentioned iron, testosterone, things like that. And she was like, oh, well, a lot of that is uh, is in this more expensive pack. And my insurance at that time didn't cover it. So I was like, oh, well, then never mind about that. Mm. Uh, but, you know, I think a lot of them you can get done under standard healthcare issues and i think it sort of depends on the doctor too like what they're willing to write it in as uh but anyway so anyway the, the long the the short version of that is test your own blood i know that that's not what i'm trying <laughs> don't, don't test yourself, your own blood. yourself and... yeah uh but but just you know do your own research and get get figure out get data on your your own blood rather than uh just assuming that what i'm saying or what anyone says is universally applicable right so anyway uh, the big one, everyone wants to know about protein. I suppose B12 is probably the real big one, but everyone does want to know about protein. Everyone thinks if you're vegan or vegetarian, then certainly if you're making it work, then you must be supplementing with tons and tons of protein uh, because that's just the way that we've been trained to think. Uh, but neither you nor I, Doug, take protein powder. Is that correct? That's correct. Yeah. So uh, we are two good examples that you can you can make a plant-based diet work without protein powder. Uh, I don't think protein powder is a bad thing. It's just that it's 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 not a whole food, first of all. I mean, unless you are grinding up a whole food and calling that protein powder, like grinding up nuts and seeds and saying that's your protein powder, then it's not a whole food. So we tend to want to minimize things like that. Uh, and I don't think any anything that you can call protein or call a carbohydrate or call fat, where that's all it's providing you and nothing or little else uh, but one nutrient – that's that's not really a food. That's not a food that exists in nature. So uh, I, I tend to avoid that sort of stuff. I don't think protein powder is bad if you get as minimally processed a form as you can. Um, hemp protein was always my favorite because it's basically dried hemp seeds where they've removed the oil, they've pressed the oil out of it, and then ground it up. So it brings with it a lot of carbohydrate and fiber. Uh, it's not an efficient protein source by meaning, you know, amount of protein per or percentage of it that is protein. Uh, cause there's other stuff in there too, 
but it is a good source of protein. So that's what I always use. It has definitely an earthy sort of taste. Uh, not the cheapest way to get a protein supplement, but I liked that one because it was pretty close to a whole food. Uh, but my my story is that I was training for my 100-miler back in 2013, ran out of protein powder one day, and uh, just didn't didn't buy more. I was kind of, I don't know, I tended more towards whole foods as I my training load increased, which was kind of interesting to me uh, that I found myself just wanting more produce and nuts and seeds and really unprocessed things. Mm-hmm. So a combination of that and being lazy, I just didn't buy more. And, you know, a month later I was fine and now it's been two years and still totally fine. So I've just stopped buying protein powder. Yeah. My story is that I got some for free at a race one time. I like, I won it when I, I don't know, I placed top 10 or something like that. And they gave us protein powder. What's that? I said, look at you dropping wins on. I know, I know. You know, when I placed top ten and you know, really, really big race, they they got awarded me with. Uh, they really wanted me to use their protein powder so that I could endorse it. Um, no, I'm just kidding. But it wasn't it wasn't vegan, and I was vegetarian at the time. And when I went vegan, I just quit using it. So okay, there yeah. you go. Yeah. So that's. I mean, a lot of protein powders are not vegan. Whey protein, of course, the big one, uh, which is a dairy product. Uh, but there are plenty of others that are vegan that people use, and I think I think people forget that that protein isolate is not a whole food. And you've got to look closely. I don't know when when it says pea protein uh, or rice protein. A lot of times they don't use the word isolate. Sometimes they do. Uh, when it's isolate, that means that protein has been removed from the rest of the food. I stay away from that stuff. We talked about that in a previous episode about how uh, these these isolates, as you especially as they you know, approach complete protein form, so they're providing all the essential amino acids, really do start to mimic animal protein and increase IGF-1 levels, which are linked to cancers. Um, you can go back and, and listen to that episode. Which episode was that, Doug? Do you have any idea? I have no idea. Yeah, I wish I did. It was in the past five or so. Yeah. Um, but anyway, uh, so I don't know. I don't think it's a good thing to be taking in protein isolates, particularly soy isolate. That was the that was the big one because the protein in soy uh, is is pretty complete. Uh, so I don't I stay away from those things. And I don't know if it just says pea protein or rice protein. I tend to stay away from that as well too because I am uh, I don't know. It just it just doesn't seem to me like it's whole food. So I don't like that. Uh, I do think the protein powder can be a useful tool. And one of the principles that I tell people when they're converting to a plant-based diet or, or undergoing any sort of difficult change in a diet, uh, not that not that plant-based is particularly difficult compared to the others, but just, you know, change is hard. We, we have trouble. We like our routine. And when you disrupt that, it's difficult. So I do encourage people to, when you're making a shift, be okay with eating foods that maybe aren't your long-term ideal foods if they help you to make that shift. So the perfect example would be like fake meats when you're trying to go vegan. Uh, Nobody's saying that, that fake meats are healthy and that you should be eating those f- in the long run. But if they, for the first month or two months or three months, kind of keep you on the path because you know you don't have to sacrifice the experience of going to a barbecue and putting something on the grill or eating a hot dog at a baseball game, right? If you eat these fake meats, you, you still get that. And I think people are, are really scared of, of losing that feeling. So the fake meats can be helpful as you're getting used to it. And then eventually you reach a point when you realize you don't really need that anymore. Well, protein powder, I think, is exactly the same way. Uh, people are really scared about not getting enough protein, and I understand why, just because that's such a prevalent idea. Um, 
So if you can, if you use protein powders, if that's what gives you the confidence that you're making this work because you're looking at the number on there and you've got a target protein amount in mind and this protein powder helps you to reach that, then I think it's fine. I think it's totally a good thing. Uh, and it can be a convenience food as well. If you just don't have the time um, to prepare healthy meals for yourself, maybe you work long hours and the alternative to some sort of protein shake for you in the afternoon or in the morning is going to be total junk food, then sure, go with the protein shake. Uh, I'm not saying it's a poison or a bad food, but I just don't think it's nearly as necessary as a lot of people think. Yeah, completely agree. Good. And that uh, that protein episode was episode 92, so you can oh, good. find that at nomadathlete.com slash radio dash 92. Excellent. We're leaving fewer and fewer open loops on the podcast these days, Doug, I've noticed. We're getting better. Just we in, are. Just in time for our 100th episode. Yeah, we finally have figured this out, almost. <laughs> so, anyway, uh, let's talk about other supplements besides protein. Uh, we've got... How about B12? Let's right, do that. B12, crucial one. Uh, there is a No Meat Athlete post about vitamin B12 that has pretty much a lot of the things that I know and believe about it, as well as some links to some other sources. But vitamin B12 is something that is very difficult hold, to get. Hold on. That, yes. that post, we gotta we got to keep... If right, we're going to fill these loop. gaps here, we got to... Close the loop. Uh, it's noeathlete.com slash b12 dash four f-o-r dash vegans b12 for vegans there we go good all right look it up um, so b12 is something very very difficult to get in plant foods uh some people say you cannot get it at all naturally from plant foods some say that you can but it it will be blocked like chlorella was one it's an algae uh, Brendan Brazier has recommended it in Thrive, I think. And then it came out a little while later that, that chlorella actually, although it contained B12, your body wasn't able to use that B12 because chlorella also contained something else that blocked the absorption or something. Um, and I don't, you know, I don't know much about the chemistry and all that. But anyway, the, the long and short of it is that B12 is difficult to get on a plant-based diet. Some will say you can get it from sources. Others will say you cannot. What about, uh, the, what about dirty food? Yeah, like dirty. So, like a lot of the fruitarian community, especially it seems, uh, they don't like to take anything. They want to eat whole foods and nothing but that. So they say that if you if you eat dirty produce, like produce from the ground that you know certainly organic, but uh, that hasn't been washed all that much and hasn't been done whatever modern other practices there are that to sort of clean up food, uh, that you know that would still contain the B twelve because B twelve is in the soil. So. People, there are people who make this work and say that it works for them. And they don't take a B12 supplement and they're fine. Uh, you know, hard to say if that if that is good proof or not. I mean, it's also true that we store B12 for a long period of time. So you can go several years on a vegan diet if you've been an omnivore before this, uh, before you become deficient. So maybe it could be that their body is just has a, has a big storage and they're using it up slowly. Uh, or maybe they're right and they are getting it from, from dirty produce. But... I would point out that that even omnivores have uh, a pretty high rate of B12 deficiency. So it's not strictly a vegetarian vegan thing, uh, but perhaps it's just because you know th- their produce as well is starting to to have less and less in it, and perhaps that means that the animal products that they eat have less and less in it because the soil has less and less in it. So uh, you know, I, I think I think B12 is is one that is for me a no brainer to take a B12 supplement. Uh, it doesn't it's I don't know. It's just I don't think there's too much risk of it. I wouldn't take mega doses of it. Uh, how much you actually need seems to vary depending on who who you listen to. 
Uh, I happen to take Dr. Furman's multivitamin, which has B12 in it. I know you do too, Doug. Yeah. Um, he, I think he used to have only two micrograms of B12 in there, and it's a daily supplement. And then that jumped up to like 40 a few, I don't know, after a few months that I've been using it, I noticed that he changed it. And then I think it even jumped up again to more like 100 micrograms per day. Yeah, it's uh, 100 still, right now. It is, okay. Mm-hmm. That that amount is still relatively small compared to what some people say. Like some will say you need or you should take 1,000 micrograms a day to be safe. Doesn't seem to be much danger to taking large amounts of it, but you know, as with anything, and I think this is perhaps a, a Dr. Furman uh, trait or characteristic that he he really is afraid of using too much of things. So I think that's why his is on the low side, why it started out on the extremely low side and uh, has has gone up a little bit. But but according to the back of his bottle, uh, that's sixteen hundred percent of your daily value. Yeah, there you go. So so there must be an established daily value that is pretty low it's very low yeah maybe it was two i don't know two micrograms this is not milligrams by the way this is micrograms which is which is much much smaller um you know i think the b12 is is an issue really because it's it's a big argument for people against veganism right yes you know just because it it's the one thing you can't get Um, yeah so people say therefore the diet is invalid because it can't provide this so how could that be a good thing And, and the argument on the other side is that you actually could get this if you were eating it if you're eating the soil the way the soil is meant to be or eating food from the soil the way it's meant to be um or what my argument is that i don't you know i don't pretend that that people historically have been vegan and this is a diet that uh you know has a rich history of people thriving on it it works great but i think probably what happened probably if you look at a lot of like those blue zones cultures um some of the longest lived societies on earth ever they they ate animal products, but they ate very very small amounts of them. So I think what probably I think that you know it was probably useful to get to get a nice jolt of B twelve once a month or twice a month or once a week or whatever frequency they were eating animal products, uh, and then your body would store whatever extra there is, and maybe that's maybe that's the answer to that. Um, but now you know if you if you're ethically motivated as I am and a lot of other people are um, regarding animals and just not wanting to eat them. Then it's nice that that modern technology allows us to have a B twelve supplement and eliminate entirely the animal products. So I, you know, I don't know where I stand on that, but I think that that article that, that we mentioned on No Meat Athlete does sort of sum up that whole uh, debate a little bit. Yeah. So the other thing with B twelve is that a lot of people, and I, I did this for a long time, use nutritional yeast. What, what's your uh, view on a nutrition, nutritional yeast as a B twelve source? I think that's fine. Uh, nutritional yeast is fortified with B12, so that's an important distinction. It's not naturally occurring in it. Right. Um, and there are some other foods that are that are fortified with it as well. I think certain grains are like certain, uh, I don't know, whole wheat breads might have B12 added to them. Cereals things like that. too, I think, right? Yeah. So uh, it's fortified, and that's fine. I think that's, you know, there's nothing wrong with that. To me, I'd rather get it from a consistent source. So one thing we haven't mentioned yet is that there are different forms of B12. There's... Uh, methylcobalamin and cyanocobalamin. The let me get this right. The methylcobalamin is the one that you and I take in the Dr. Furman supplement. Uh, but different experts will say that that different ones that you know one works better than the other. There's not really a consensus. Uh, but anyway, because of that, because of the amount issue, and because of the fact that I don't consistently eat nutritional yeast the way that I would consistently take a vitamin where you say like at this point in the day, I'm going to take my multivitamin. Uh, that, that's why I just don't like relying on that. I just wouldn't want to, I just wouldn't want it to be that inconsistent. 
I want to know the amount that I'm getting and the type. But I think there are different personalities for whom that does work, that they just make sure that they do now and then eat the foods that are fortified with B12. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that, that's certainly a, a possibility. Good, good question, Doug. Thanks, Matt. You're very welcome. <laughs> um, so yeah, I don't think there's too much more to say about B12. Uh, you, can, you can take it sublingually, or you, it means a pill under the tongue, and it, because it's there, it seems to absorb better, than, or it does absorb better than just you know sucking on it like a regular candy. <laughs> um, there are also shots and other things. And sprays. Then our... I think Ritual has a spray yep. that he uses, right? Yep. So lots of forms you can do. Uh, I think, I don't know, I'm sure they vary in absorption or absorbability, but, you know, I think if you're, if you're, if you're trying, doing something, you're, you're probably doing all right. So that's B12. Um, you, we've mentioned that we take this, this multivitamin from Dr. Furman. Yeah. The reason that I do that rather than just a B12 supplement is that what I've learned from reading Dr. Furman, incidentally, uh, is that there are other things that are potential deficiencies in a plant-based diet where there may be a slightly higher chance than uh, an omnivorous, a healthy version of an omnivorous diet. You may have a higher chance as a vegan of being deficient in these things. Others are going to say that's not true. So I'm not saying this is the universal consensus, but uh, it's what Furman, Furman says. And by the way, I'm not missing the, uh, the I guess you call it irony here, that Dr. Furman is the one who's recommending these supplements and then also he, he's selling them to you. So people like to point that out. I understand that. Um, I don't know. For me, that hasn't really tainted his advice at all. Uh, I think I think his his. I mean, I don't know where he makes his money, but he's written some great book. Eat to Live is a fantastic book, number one New York Times bestseller. Uh, he speaks. I, I don't think he is relying on these supplements to to get by. So I don't think he's just hawking supplements and giving bad advice for that reason. In fact, I think he's he's really really research based and uh, just you know is, is trying to get to the bottom of these issues. And I think. I think these are are the things he's decided are true. But as I said, there are different viewpoints, so take them or leave them. But uh, what I've learned from him is that a few things are potential deficiencies. We mentioned B12. There's also zinc. There's iodine, vitamin D, and certain omega-3s. And we can get into those in just a minute uh, because that is actually one other type of supplement that I take is a a DHA EPA supplement, which are two types of omega-3 fatty acids. Um, But anyway, of these... I mean, these are, are provided in, in multivitamins for the most part, these ones I mentioned. Iodine, by the way, is, you know how like when you get table salt, uh, usually it says, I, I don't think it usually says it, if, if it's not sub or, or fortified with iodine or iodide, they will put a warning on the salt label. Have you seen that, Doug? Yes. Which yeah. says this salt is not, does not contain iodide in a central nutrient or something. Mm-hmm. Um, apparently, that is is also in like cleaning products and things like that so people who consume dairy because these industrial cleaners that are used to clean the machines uh those are iodine based and it is thought that that the dairy products pick up a little bit of that and that's why they provide iodine for you Hmm. so that if you're vegetarian you may not have an issue vegans though may which is why it's in salt that's not why it's in salt but it's in salt to help people get it so if you go the whole food route and you get into the Himalayan salts and the, you know all that fancy stuff, you're going to be cutting off that source of iodine because all those fancy ones do not contain iodine usually. So I think if you, if you are doing that, if you're completely vegan and if you're not using regular table salt, then I think it is something to think about should you take an iodine supplement. 
get it in a multivitamin to me is an easy solution. Um, so that's, I don't know, interesting tidbit, I think, about iodine. What about, do you know, in when you do eat processed foods, I mean, the salt that is in, like, a fake sausage or something like that, would that have iodine in it? Probably. Iodide. You know, I don't know. My guess is that yes. My guess is that they probably just use table salt for that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, the, the, the processed salt, because they're probably using something fairly cheap. Cheap, right, yeah. Uh, and I don't, you know, I don't know if there's a supply of that salt that doesn't get the, the fortification because it's used in that. I have no idea. Good question. Yeah. Um, I'm full of them D. today, I think. Right, you're, you're full of thought-provoking questions. <laughs> vitamin D, people talk about a lot. That's the sunlight vitamin, where if you go out in the sun 30 minutes a day, they say, with minimal clothing on, uh, which is a good practice anyway, just get out there with no clothes on, uh, is, is, helps you to absorb a lot of vitamin D. And it's also a nutritional vitamin, so you can get it in things. And there are there are good vegan sources of it, like mushrooms and things like that. But it's one that, that is a little bit low for vegans often. Um, I, I think supplementing with it is not a bad idea, just in case. Uh, and in fact, that was one that when I did the blood testing, I was a little bit low in. So yeah. I've made an effort to make sure that I do take that multivitamin every day. Uh, it's, there are, it's hard to get vegan uh, vitamin D supplements. The the Dr. Furman one is a little bit expensive because it does it is fully vegan. But I think for a while he made one that was completely vegan supplement except for the vitamin D that was added it was technically from lanolin or something like a sheep's wool product, which is a, a common vitamin D supplement source. Um, but now I think I think now the only vitamin he sells is the vegan one that has the D three in it. But anyway, that's the one that I've used the vegan mm-hmm. vitamin. Yeah, the uh, vitamin D was was surprising to me when I did my blood work. I came back way under uh, in, yeah. in in vitamin D, which surprised me because I do spend a lot of time outside, and I just never really thought that um, that was going to be something that I was struggling with. But but are you shirtless when you do all your runs? Yeah, I guess not. You know, I'm not driving no, everybody, no. Doug, and not doing that, including yourself. Oh, I guess so. I guess so. So that was I actually had to go on a. I think it was. 15,000 IU supplement for a month or something to get my levels really? back up. That's a lot. I know. It's, it's, I don't know, maybe like 30 times your daily value. <laughs> right, right. And vitamin D is something that you can take way too much of mm-hmm. uh, and you start to, I think a metallic taste in your mouth is the first sign that you're having too much vitamin D. Uh, but they say, you know, once you get to a certain point, you don't want to, you don't want to keep going much higher. Right. So that was just a, a, a month long thing to get my levels back up. And now I just maintain with the with Dr. Furman. There you go. We are we are really, uh, for lack of a better word, pimping the Dr. Furman uh, multivitamin today. We're mentioning it lots of times. Is well, that the correct use of that word? I don't really know. It, I think it might be, but be a little inappropriate, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, anyway, we'll, we'll, we do, this is on the gear page. Nomadathlete.com slash gear uh, includes the things that I use or have used and generally believe in. Uh, there's some protein powders on, on there still that I probably should remove just I, since I don't anymore. But like I said, I, I think they're still useful tools for a lot of people, so I kind of leave them on there. Um, but the the supplements that I do use are on there, and I can I'll summarize them for you at the end. The, it's only two of them really, but the multivitamin is one of them, and it's on nomadathlete.com/gear. Uh, that page is affiliate links and things like that, so some of them I do get kickbacks on. But anyway, total genuine recommendation. I hope you can tell that. Um, you know what I was surprised about? Side note, when I got my blood work, my iron level was extremely high. Hmm. Like to the point where it was like over the the normal good recommended range. They're like you probably should have a little bit less iron level. 
Interesting. Uh, yeah, which is weird because that's that's one of the common things that people talk about with plant-based diets is like one of the common concerns. So I don't know. Maybe it's from eating so many beans and greens and things. But uh, I don't know. I haven't really taken action to lower it, but I assume that it'll it'll come back down. Yeah, that's that's one of the ones that people are concerned about. And that wasn't one of my issues, but I don't think I was high in it. Right. Yeah, iron, iron is typically an absorption issue. Uh, there's a post that Matt Rusigna wrote on... No meat athlete. I think it's called Iron for Vegetarians. Uh, if you can, you can Google that. If we don't know the URL for you, but that has a nice talking about some of the absorption and some of the ways you can combine foods, or some of the ways that you inadvertently block iron absorption uh, with certain foods. Like apparently spinach, although high in iron, also serves to block iron absorption of of its own iron and other foods as iron. So, Man, uh, a... like vitamin C in tomatoes brings it out, makes it more absorbable. So anyway, interesting things there with iron if you if you suspect a deficiency. What a tease. Spinach is such a tease. It is. It dangles it in front of you and then yeah. it just blocks it. <laughs> All right. So that's uh, that's just a, a, an array of things that are, are the reason that I like to take a multivitamin because of those things. And I think we've talked about this before, I think, but I don't like mega doses of, di- of vitamins. I don't think it's a good thing. T. Colin Campbell in his book Whole, which is an interesting book, a dense book, uh, and sort of uh, not exactly an inspiring book, a book that made me think <laughs> we probably do run very, very deep in our in our society uh, and just our, our relationship to food and the way that it's tied in with money. But uh, he does have an interesting thing there, a big, big diagram about the interactions that take place, the chemical interactions that take place in the body. And he just kind of builds the case for, for what – a delicate balance is not the right word because the body is, is very robust in what it can do. Um, and what it can handle, but when you when you get the sense for just how complex the interactions are, and what it means to be adding not just a multivitamin into that mix, but something that has you know these huge ten to twenty to a hundred times the recommended daily values, even for vitamins where they say it, they're they're water soluble, so you know they come out in your urine, it's not any sort of problem to have too many of them. It just seems like a weird thing to be adding in this huge amount of vitamin C, for example, into your system when vitamin C interacts with all these other different things and your body's doing the best it can, but what it really knows how to do is handle whole food. So when you start throwing in these huge quantities of things that that are there in way larger quantities than you'd find them in nature and also without kind of the supporting cast that you would find around them in nature that might serve to slow absorption or who knows what, uh, I think you're really... It, you're just messing with stuff. So I don't think we should be tinkering there. Uh, as For that reason, I like to take fairly, fairly low doses of all these things. And luckily, Dr. Furman has the same philosophy. Uh, so all the stuff there is, you, know, you don't see many thousand percentages of, of daily values in, on his vitamin. Yeah. It's not because he's cheap. <laughs> no, I don't think so. Maybe it is. I don't know. <laughs> um, okay. So, so that's one. Let's talk about omega-3s because I did mention that one. Uh huh. Yep. This is the other supplement that I take is a DHA EPA supplement, and what that is is a liquid thing. You put a few drops of it in your smoothie. Think for an adult, it's three quarters of a milliliter each morning in your smoothie. Very very tiny amount for kids, uh, and I put it on my kid in my kids uh, in their little vitamin juice, which I'll tell you about in a minute as well. Um, we put it in there, and the deal with omega threes is people say. Well, I'm a vegan and I get all my omega-3s because I eat flax seeds and walnuts and chia seeds and all these things that contain omega-3s. Well, that's great and they do contain omega-3s, 
but primarily they contain ALA, which is just one type of omega-3 fatty acid. There are also DHA and EPA, and your body can convert a certain amount of ALA into DHA and EPA. So if you're eating the walnuts, eating the flax seeds, eating the chia seeds, you're getting those omega-3s, and you're converting some of them. But some people's bodies, and I don't know if it's a quarter of people or three-quarters of people, but there's some you know, decently large percentage of people whose body doesn't do a good job of that at all. And those people are, Furman and others suggest that they take a DHA EPA supplement if you're on a plant-based diet. So you can find out with a blood test. I haven't investigated how to do this or what type of blood test this is. You can actually find out if you, you know, have the, have the gene that would allow you to do a good job of converting this stuff and potentially save yourself uh, money from having to, having to buy this supplement uh, but I haven't done that. I haven't done it for my whole family. So just sort of as a safety precaution, we we do that. Not I wouldn't say a safety precaution, but a, a doing what we can for our health, just trying to trying to maximize our energy and our health. Uh, we include that in our smoothie every day. But on my list of things to do one day is figure out what this blood test is and take the trouble to go do it and figure out do we actually need to be doing this. So that, that would be a good thing to do. I think would be a good thing to do. Yeah. <laughs> so. <laughs> What else is there to say about that? I don't know. Uh, I take, of all people's, I take Dr. Furman's. No. So it's on that gear page as well. I know. I like him. We mentioned, we he's up there with Leo Babauta as far as number of podcast mentions. Yeah. Because you talk to, about him all the time. Uh, and he's not the only guy whose stuff I've read. I just, for some reason, his the really scientific approach resonates with me in the way he I don't, he's read some, he claims to have reviewed some 15,000 articles. Uh, and that was a while ago, so maybe many more now. But I don't know. I, like I've read T. Colin Campbell stuff. I've read Esselstyn stuff. I haven't read that much from Dr. Greger. Uh, and, of course, there are many more than these. But I don't know. I like Furman stuff. It's something about the way he writes and the way he, he does research I like. So I tend to trust him when it comes to supplements just because, I mean, you got to pick somebody. If you're going to do this and, and you're going to listen to advice. I mean, people talk about all the time about how do you handle conflicting advice. And and the, the, when it comes to nutrition, there is so much. You hear that one day saturated fats are this great thing for you, and the other day they are the complete devil that you need to avoid. And same with soy. I mean, it's it, there are lots and lots of foods like this where there isn't a good answer. There's not. I mean, scientists are people who are very very smart, research it and come up with different opinions about this. So there's not an answer. I, I think reading as much as you can and and picking someone. Whose, whose approach you like and then sort of I wouldn't say blindly following them but making making your default is to follow them so that, that's kind of how I am with Dr. Furman uh, yeah I mean I guess I could research more about supplements and about his certain ones and find out if the ones he's suggesting are really the best ones but you just can't do that about every decision you make so I've kind of said like he's, he's kind of my guy for that and that's why I buy his stuff awesome and, and honestly <laughs> I do it because, well, I like his stuff. Absolutely. I well, like, I know why you do it because I'm your guy. I'm, well, I know. I mean, I, it's true. <laughs> you know, when I was uh, when I was deficient in all these things and I didn't know where to turn, I just uh, followed your advice. But I do I do like Dr. Furman's approach to, to everything else. So yeah. it made and sense. And that's, that's an interesting role of, of bloggers and, you know, people who are public sort of personalities in that way that they they are – I don't know. I mean, you find people who you resonate with online and, and you trust that they do research and, and it saves you a lot of time because then you don't need to read Dr. Furman's books if you trust me that much, uh, which I wouldn't suggest that you do. I think you, you should <laughs> try to actually read books. 
but uh, I think it's an interesting role that that people like like me now play in that way, uh, and like you, Doug, when it comes to running. Yeah. Trail running superstar. Trail running superstar. Hundred mile ultra marathon winner. No, twenty four hour endurance race winner. That's right. Yeah. All right. Uh, so the only other supplement that I sometimes take and haven't in a while is creatine. And by the way, I, I come from a background of trying to get as jacked up as possible and took a kitchen cabinet full of supplements and would travel with this thing of supplements. This was in college when I was trying to put on weight. Uh, and I did a really good job, but I took like 20 different things. Uh, glutamine was one of them. A bunch of others that I think are probably dangerous and I should not have taken. <laughs> but <laughs> I, I, I drew a line somewhere and I said, I'm not doing this thing that starts to mess with human growth hormone stuff. I'm not getting into that. But, like, if you could get it at GNC, which was the, the nutrition store back in the day that I would go to, uh, if you could get it there and I thought it was safe enough, then I would, I would do it. But I'm very, very different now. But anyway, uh, creatine is a supplement that helps you to – I mean, it's an amino acid and it's, it's in a lot of meat. So I think when, you, when you're cutting out meat, you are definitely losing a, a supply of creatine, but that doesn't really do anything. It doesn't hurt you. You don't, you don't become deficient in that and then have, have a big problem now. Uh, but if you are into heavy lifting or if you want to put on weight, then creatine really can help you. It, it helps actually to increase the amount that you can lift, the amount of uh, effort that you can put forth, uh, especially with like slow to, or fast switch, you know, quick lifting of weights, uh, but also retains water and adds some, adds some weight to you. So I've enjoyed it for that. I think it's good. I don't really think it's a great supplement for endurance athletes because of that weight issue and, and the water retention that maybe it's not a good thing to be. Uh, carrying around an extra five pounds when you're trying to run marathons or ultras as fast as you can. And I don't see that many endurance athletes recommending it, which I'm always sort of surprised about uh, just because I I don't see much discussion about should vegan athletes be taking creatine because it's something that is primarily found in meat. Uh, and your body makes some of it too, but because it's primarily meat was our food source for it, should we be supplementing it with it as athletes? And you don't see much discussion about that. So I don't know, I don't think it is necessary for athletes at all, but when I've gone through weightlifting kicks where I want to try to put on some weight and get big in the gym and get strong again, creatine is really, really helpful for that for me. It uh, comes with a bunch of warnings. It's, it's long-term effects are still not all that well-known. I think someone on Nomad Athlete a while ago shared a, an article that, that uh, linked, linked creatine and I think some other kind of muscle growth supplements to cancers, you know, things that tend to encourage growth are often associated with cancer risk. Um, so since, since reading that, I haven't really been as, as big on it. Uh, so I would encourage you to check it out yourself if, if you're interested in it, but realize that it is probably, of, of the ones I've mentioned, it probably is the most controversial. So if, if you're the type that doesn't want to get involved in those risks, then, then stay away from it. But there are many, many people who do think it's totally perfectly safe. And an interesting side note about creatine is that Vegetarians uh, in the study, when they took creatine compared to when they didn't, their memories were uh, much, much improved by creatine, which mm. is interesting. I read that in Tim Ferriss's book, 4-Hour Body, and then I found the actual study. Uh, so anyway, that's, that's I don't know, that's creatine for you. By the way, there's an interesting site called examine.com that is run by a guy I know, and that's kind of what I use for answering questions like this like if i want to know about creatine or i want to know about i don't know is high fructose corn syrup really that much worse than regular sugar uh you go to examine.com they have a lot of good 
I don't know, very, very non-biased, it seems, answers to these questions. Lots of good research. So I like that site. Total not not being paid or anything for that, but just thought I'd throw it out there. I think that's I think I thought of it because I that's where I found the creatine study when I was trying to find it. So anyway, um, yeah. So that's that's about the the supplement discussion that I have. Certainly, there are many more you could consider, but uh, I haven't really considered many more, so I don't have that much more to say about other ones. Uh, I don't know, Doug. What do you think? Any more supplement burning questions? I think that covers just about all the supplement questions I've got. That's it, huh? Yeah. All right. Well, they're, they're definitely the ones that we hear the most of. Yeah, definitely. So, yeah. So there you go. Uh, as we said earlier, if you go to nomadathlete.com slash gear. Oh, I didn't say this. Um, my kids also take a multivitamin, and I give them a, the multivitamin from Dr. Furman. I think it's called Pixie Vites. It's like this powdered thing that you mix up a little tiny bit. And, you know, exact same principles as the adult multivitamin, but it's just in a powdered form, and it tastes like berries, and they like it. So they call it their vitamin juice, and they, they eat it. <laughs> Uh, so anyway, that, the multivitamin, and the DHA EPA supplement are all listed on nomadathlete.com slash gear, which is where some other stuff is as well that I like and use. So if you want to see it or order it for yourself or anything like that, uh, just go over there and you can do that. Actually, I do have another question. All right. What is it? What do you think about, you know, those uh, emergency packs and stuff like that when you're when you're getting a cold? What, what do you think about supplementing with vitamin C when you're when you're feeling that is a good question uh i've never really done it and i've always kind of had the idea that by the time you're feeling symptoms it's probably too late for you to do anything about it Mm -hmm. and that the the thing to do is have the right amount of vitamin c in your diet all the time to help you prevent that so i I, my my interpretation of it was always that people should said okay well then if vitamin c is a good thing to have in your diet and something that that helps you avoid getting sick then when you start getting sick, we should take megadoses of it. Right. And I think that's a flawed reasoning. But I don't know. I haven't really checked myself if there is any evidence that that kind of thing actually works. Because maybe it does. And I think that's something that people should should research. And, and I might research as well. But I've never really considered doing that. People say the same thing about elderberry, I think. Mm-hmm. If you're in, in a more... Uh, a more enlightened circle of, of you're beyond the vitamin C megadosing and you now, you now use elderberry. Uh, I don't know if that's true either. I have no idea. But I, I just tend to think that when you're already getting sick, it's probably too late. Yeah. So I don't know. Not to say you shouldn't do it if, if you do it. And placebo effect. Placebo effect is really a good thing. People, I think, you know, it, it's thought of, if something is a placebo, then we, we assume it's worthless. But if you taking the mega dose of vitamin C or the elderberry syrup makes you think you were getting better, I think there's a lot to that. I think there really is a lot to your your body's ability to respond to uh, you know, what what you're expecting in your brain. So I think if you expect that you're going to get better, and countless stu- tests have, have shown remarkable results for people who are given one drug, told that it does something completely different, the opposite perhaps, and, and exhibit that, that effect that is the opposite of what the, the drug does. Uh, that stuff, you hear about that, it's amazing what the body can do when it, when it you know, knows, even if it knows incorrectly, uh, what, what it's supposed to do. So anyway, there you go, Doug. All right. Good answer. Yeah, good. Another good question from from Doug Hay today. You are on your co-host game. (laughs) All right. So that wraps up our supplement episode. As always, if you've got questions, feel free to call them. Call us at Doug. Hit it. But (laughs) you always do this to me, man. No, I do. 
just because you were getting too too you thought you were too good of a co-host today. I had to <laughs> make sure you bring you back down to earth. Six 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 is the first three. I always know that one. No, no, no. No. Six 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 or the it's nine five one six 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 three two eight one. Okay. So nine five one no meat. One. Nice. <laughs> okay, so you can call us, uh, you can ask questions, and we like answering those questions for podcast episodes, so by all means, do that. And again, we've asked for it a few times recently, but people are actually responding and doing it, so I'm going to ask again. By all means, if you enjoy our episodes and you would like to encourage us to keep doing them and help us uh, reach a broader audience so that we are even more encouraged to keep doing them, then head over to iTunes.com, look up Nomad Athlete Radio, and leave us a kind rating and review there. It really helps uh, has iTunes tells iTunes to suggest our show to more people so that this lifestyle and our message meets, me, reaches more people. Not meets more people, it reaches more people. Uh, so if you, if you want all those good things, then please do us that favor. We really, really do appreciate it. Yeah, it especially so, helps if you talk about how great the co-host is. Yes, iTunes loves that. Yeah. That, that really boosts the algorithm. Definitely. The algorithm is, is really sensitive to how good the co-host is. <laughs> All right. Uh, so thank you all for listening. We have fun doing this. Hope you enjoyed listening to it. We'll be back with our 100th episode next time. Yeah. Can't Pumped. wait. It's going to be a huge party. Huge party. Already, already buying the balloons and yeah. firecrackers. Good. All right. Well, I look forward to that. I'll talk to you all soon. All right. Bye.